Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and let's see, it is Monday, March 30th here in New York City. I just finished wrapping up an interview that is going to drop later this week. Uh, Went really well. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. That's going to be coming out on Friday. Uh, But today I have for you all today an interview with the Colby men's basketball head coach, Damian Strayhorn. But before we get into that, I just want to say that I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, Today is National Doctors Day. I want to thank all of our doctors and nurses and first responders who are on the front lines fighting the coronavirus. Without them, we I, I don't know what the world would look like or what the situation would be. They are doing incredible work and they need to be uh, commended for the for the heroes that they are. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, I want to keep recommending stuff. I got some some good feedback on that. Uh, one thing that I've been reading actually was uh, today in the New York Times there was an article about Sacred Heart in Connecticut and how Bobby Valentine, yes, that same Bobby Valentine who coached or who managed the New York Mets and the Boston Red Sox is the athletic director there and they are building a hockey arena to try and become a national hockey power and to increase their uh, profile and, and all this stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. So you can go on the New York Times and and check that out. And I started a new book. It is called String Theory. It's a collection of essays about tennis that David Foster Wallace wrote. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that. And it's not too long, so maybe I'll have uh, some more recommendations for you on Friday. But uh, enough of that. Coming up, I taped this interview with Coach Strayhorn this past uh, Friday. So it was pretty long. It's the quarantine special, uh, but we got into a lot of really cool things. He's got a really interesting story, and Colby this past year was really good. And you know, dis- you know, disclosure again, just like with Coach App and Coach Toomey, I competed against Coach Strayhorn for the last four seasons. So if we mention anything that uh, about names or players or things about the NESCAC, uh, it's because we played against each other for four years, and they were really good this past year. Really good. I thought that they. If they were healthy down down the stretch, they could have made a run to the Final Four. But enough of that. I'm going to hit the music and coming up, Coach Damian Strayhorn from Colby College. Joining me today on the Double Double is the head men's basketball coach at Colby College, Damian Strayhorn. After transferring from Foothill College, Coach Strayhorn excelled in his two years playing basketball at Colby. As a senior, he was named first-team All-NESCAC and averaged 22.9 points per game. He began his coaching career at his alma mater for the legendary coach Dick Whitmore as an assistant for four seasons before joining Joe Jones' staff at Columbia University in the Ivy League. During his time at Columbia, the team had the best four-year run since 1980, and he helped coach and develop three all-Ivy League players. Coach Strayhorn then took the head coaching job at Plymouth State for one season before taking over for Dick Whitmore at Colby in the summer of 2011. This past season, the 2019-2021, was arguably one of the best in Colby history as the team went 24-4 and earned 
an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1997. I'm thrilled that he is joining me today. Coach, how's it going? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. We talked a little bit before. It's crazy times we're living in, but uh, we're just taking it day by day, right? It is. I think that's uh, that's all we can do right now, and um, you know, we'll we'll continue to sort of search through it and figure out what uh, what lies ahead. But um, I think the day by day approach is is the best one for us right now. Yep, couldn't agree more. So, so coach, you grew up in Menlo Park, out in California. When did you first get involved with the game of basketball? Oh, man, yes. Uh, I grew up out on the West Coast. Um, you know, I would say, you know, the first sort of memories for me, and, and you know, you can't call it basketball, but but kind of the concept of basketball um, was probably like first, second grade. And, uh, you know, I remember recess and, and we used to have out on our playground at the, uh, the elementary school I was at, there was like a tree, like a sort of like a bush like tree that had like <laughs> a little hole in the middle of it. And then on the other end of it, there was like a rectangle box. <laughs> and uh, so I remember as kids, like, you know, we would just run up and down and kind of throw, you know, throw a rubber ball kind of into into whatever shape we were, with, depending on which, which end we were going at. Right. And it was just, you know, kids playing and having fun. And, uh, you know, um, that was sort of one of my early memories. The, the other sort of early memory that I have and, you know, it's, it's probably been reinforced from my dad. Uh, it's probably around the same time frame as, as we had like a, a wicker basket uh, okay. that you know, was in our house. And uh, we used to store like firewood in it. <laughs> and, uh, I remember sort of taking the firewood out of the, out of the, out of the basket and uh, had it like, you know, again, another sort of kid ball. And, and I, would, I would just kind of shoot, shoot it in there and then go after it and get it. And um, my dad, you know, again, has reminded me a, a story a, a number of times where, probably as a six, seven, eight year old, you know, I would, I would kind of line up from the edge of the carpet, however far back that was, and, and try to like see how many in a row I could make. And, and he likes to sort of say, you know, how he was always sort of astounded by how, how much I was concentrating uh, on right. trying to like, you know, make however many in a row. And, and that kind of led into, into some shooting contests between him and I. And, you know, actually, as you bring it up, it's funny because, um, you know, just this spring as the weather kind of finally got, got nice up this way here in, in Waterville, um, you know, and, and kind of with everything that we're going, you know, that's going on right now with uh, with the coronavirus and, and, and staying at home. Uh, I've got a, a soon-to-be seven-year-old uh, at, at home, and, and we were actually out in the driveway, and I brought out a garbage can, and we were kind of doing <laughs> a similar thing. So that's awesome. I, I guess maybe it's, it's passing down from generation to generation for me, but that's kind of one of my, my early memories uh, of, of kind of basketball. And, and uh, you know, from there, I would say, you know, progressing into you know, middle school. And, um, you know, most of it back then was just, just playing with friends on the yeah. playground, or playing with friends out in the backyard, and, and uh, a, a lot of really fond memories, uh, you know, of just sports in general. And then probably as I moved through that middle school time and into high school, maybe becoming more um, sort of focused on, on basketball uh, and kind of what that, what that became for me. But uh, I've been fortunate to have, uh, have sports in my life, and, uh, you know, certainly basketball is, is something that I've, I've, I've got a great passion for, and, and uh, I've been fortunate to, to keep it a part of my life uh, even today. That's great. So in, in high school, what was your recruiting process like, and how did you go about choosing Foothill College? Yeah, I, I was, you know, I, I probably, I mean, I guess in some respects, maybe I'm, I'm like many people out there in the sense that 
I, I probably wasn't good enough uh, to play college basketball, uh, you know, going through my high school time. And, and uh, you know, as, as I tell the story, I, you know, I'm, I was probably very much a late developer or a late bloomer, uh, you know, and uh, I, I was, uh, you know, reflecting back a few years ago and, and uh, kind of cleaning out, you know, some files or whatever it was. And I actually had a, uh, I came across my first driver's license. Oh, wow. And, and uh, you know, so this, this kind of takes me back to, I guess, 1995 uh, when, when I turned 16. And, and you know, kind of the, the height and weight credentials on that driver's license actually went back to, like, when I was filling out my driver's permit. <laughs> and so I think it had me listed at, like, five, six, and, like, you know, 115 pounds. Wow. And uh, you can imagine that, you know, uh, it's it's probably not the, the the best sort of predictor of, uh, you know, success in basketball. And so, you know, I was a skinny little kid. And, you know, I'd always been a pretty good athlete. But, you know, I was, I was again, sort of late developing and physically maturing. And, um, you know, so it really wasn't until my senior year where I had a little bit of a growth spurt and uh, kind of shot up to 6'3 and, you know, maybe it was six three and one hundred and thirty pounds instead of one hundred twenty <laughs> pounds. So, you know, it gotten even weaker and skinnier uh, as as I sort of shot up. Um, but you know, I always loved the game. You know, I, I played at a high school that was a pretty big high school. You know, almost two thousand uh, kids, uh, and it was a high school that was a very diverse high school, uh, kind of out in the Bay Area, uh, about forty five minutes south of San Francisco. So, you know, there was there was a lot of good athletes, and um, you know, for me. Uh, you know, in, in coming into the high school, you know, I was able to, to kind of make the freshman sophomore team and you know played on that team for a couple of years, then moved up to varsity uh, junior senior year, and, and it wasn't really until my senior year where I think again, you know, I started to to mature and um, you know the idea of wanting to continue to play the game and, and try to play at the college level was something that I hoped for, right, um, right, but really I wasn't. I wasn't good enough, uh, you know, and I wasn't physically ready for it. Um, and, you know, kind of going through that process, um, you know, I wasn't recruited. And, um, you know, I was looking at different schools and trying to figure out, you know, would basketball be something that I could continue to do? And, and you know, as I kind of went through that process, um, you know, I, I, I would say I, I found a lot more no's than yes's. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think it really helped me helped me learn a lot about myself and really just how much and how important the game was to me and how much I wanted that to be a, a part of my, um, a part of my college experience. Right, uh, and right. so, you know, I was supposed to go to UC Davis, uh, which was coming off a, a division two national championship, uh, from the year prior. You know, I remember going up there for a spring visit, you know, I got accepted. I, you know, I decided that that's where I want to go. And so I, I reached out to the coaching staff there and, you know, went up and, uh, met with the coach and, and, uh, you know, the team was playing pickup that day and, you know, played for an hour, uh, with the guys, <laughs> you know, at the end of that, session the coach was like you know you're, you're, you're welcome to come back up in the fall and try out you know quite uh -huh. honestly we've got pretty much our whole team returning um and i guess maybe it wasn't until the next year that they won the national championship uh so they were really excited for what you know what 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 they thought their season could be you know uh, that fall and you know he basically told me like you're not going to be on this team. Uh, and so at that point, you know, I made the decision that I, I wasn't going to go there. Um, you know, I wanted to, to kind of continue to, to try to find a place where I felt like I, I'd have a good chance at, at, at being a part of the team. And that kind of led me to Santa Barbara, California, 
uh, went down there and enrolled at Santa Barbara City College. Uh, and looking back and certainly knowing what I know now, you know, probably the thing I needed was a postgraduate year. Yeah. Uh, coming out of my you know, four years of high school, but out on the West Coast, especially back then, you know, we didn't really have that. Uh, and so, you know, out there we have two-year community colleges. And, and uh, one of my teammates who was a year ahead of me uh, had finished up his freshman year at, at University of California at Santa Barbara. So he was moving into an apartment off campus, and uh, I was like, you know, I'm looking for a place to go. And, and uh, so I moved down there and moved in with him. Uh, into an apartment. Uh, it was funny because you know UCSB is on the quarter system. Okay, City College is, is is on you know sort of the semester system. Right. So we drove down together, moved in, and then he went back home because you know his his college didn't start for about another month. <laughs> and, uh, so I was there by myself, you know, first time on my own. You know, eighteen year old kid who's got no idea about anything. Right. Um, and uh, you know, classes started. You know, again, in the city college environment, uh, there was actually a basketball class that we could enroll in. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I, that sounds I, I great. That. Oh, it was awesome. And, and uh, you know, I'm just, again, a wide eyed teenager trying to figure things out. And uh, so, you know, we show up on the first day. And um, I, again, I should probably, you know, this, this might be too much information for you. And I, I don't know how long we have. So, no, no, it's great. You, off, you know, you let me know. Um, so the first day of class, you know, I show up to, uh, to the basketball class, and there's probably like, you know, 30 or so folks and, and, you know, the 15 guys that are on the team or whatever, and then, you know, a bunch of other guys that want to try out for it. So the first day we're on the track, and uh, so coach takes us outside, and, uh, you know, we got to run a mile. And uh, I, I had run cross country in high school. Okay. And, and uh, you know, again, as, as a guy that was still pretty skinny back then, uh, you know, I, I, could, I could run, especially the distance. And so, you know, we – we're all lining up, 30 of us on the track, and, you know, coach says go, blows the whistle or whatever, and, and I take off, and I'm flying around the track, lap one, lap two, <laughs> lap three, lap four. I mean, I absolutely crush it, and uh, I'm feeling so good about myself, and, you know, coach is excited, and he's coming over, and he's pumping me up, and, and uh, I go back to my apartment, you know, that afternoon, and, uh, you know, uh, the next day, you know, instead of being on the track, we meet in the gym. And uh, so, I, you know, I get my night of sleep. I get through my classes in the morning. And then uh, on Tuesday, it's uh, it's time to report to the gym and, and we're going to play pickup basketball. And uh, I walk into the gym and coach is all excited to see me and I'm feeling good. And, and all of a sudden we get on the court and these guys are just jumping over me, <laughs> going by me in the blink of an eye. And, and uh, it becomes pretty clear that, you know, uh, that there's just a, a level that I wasn't physically ready for. Yeah. And, you know, part of it was, you know, my game wasn't really based on, on just athleticism or just sort of the, the wowing eye test. Uh, yeah. Where gotcha. Someone's just going to kind of, you know, jump out of the gym and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, be the best player on the court. Uh, and then you also had the fact that, you know, you had a team, you know, that had a bunch of returning guys, you know, that, that, that were there and obviously played with one another and, and kind of knew everything that they did. So, you know, I was a fish out of water and, um, you know, it was, it was pretty apparent, uh, you know, after that one practice and coach was like, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, meet tomorrow. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he called like three of us down and, uh, I remember going into his office and, uh, you know, we sat down and he kind of looked across at the table at me and, and said, you know, Damien, there, there comes a point in time in everyone's career, you know, where you're no longer good enough to play at the next level. And, uh, your, your time has come. Wow. And uh, it was 
it's something that, that to me, uh, even today, you know, I can still remember so vividly. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, essentially being told that, you know, uh, you know you're not going to be able to play here. And, and uh, you know, in his opinion, I wouldn't be able to play anywhere. Right, right. Um, which, you know, at the time, um, it was obviously something that was really difficult to hear, um, but, but really made me reflect and, and kind of decide, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to just sort of, you know, stay down here and go to school? Uh, or do I want to keep pursuing this basketball dream? And so that kind of led me. Um, to sort of decide, you know, I really wanted to, to keep playing and, 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 you know, maybe keep searching for a place. And so I, I reached out to the local community college back home in Northern California, where, you know, where I grew up. And, and they were on the quarter system. So, uh, you know, they weren't starting for another month. Oh, perfect. And, uh, and uh, I was like, well, maybe this timing might, 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 might be decent. And then I reached out to the coach, and uh, the coach who had been there for a few years had left that spring. So they had a new coach coming in, and, and the coach got back to me. And he was like, yeah, he's like, we only got one returning player. Perfect. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking for like 14 guys. And I said, hey, <laughs> this, this might be my chance. Right, so, right. Uh, I, I ended up calling my buddy. I'm like, man, I hate to do this to you, but I, I think I'm going to move back home because of, 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 of the basketball thing not working out here. And, and he totally great. got it and supported me. So, so I moved back home with mom and dad. Uh, I had two younger sisters uh, that were a couple years behind me in high school. And, um, you know, uh, three and a half weeks later, you know, school uh, started up at Foothill. And, uh, you know, I remember going to the first uh, first open gym and, and again, there was just um, there was a lot of roster spots available and, and uh, you know, working through that process and kind of you know, growing my confidence uh, as kind of the, the first month and a half went by before season officially started. And, and uh, you know, I uh, still remember kind of making the team and, and uh, how excited I was for that first game and, and kind of coming out of the locker room. Uh, one of one of my you know guys that was you know someone I was closer to back then you know was was behind me in the warm up lines and he's like you know Damon this is this is what you dreamed about man playing yeah. college basketball right and, and here you go and uh, you know you come storming out of the locker room and uh, in, out in the layup lines and, and so that again that was just a, That's great. a moment for me where you know I felt like I persevered uh, through a lot uh, and really had done it because of what I wanted basketball to sort of continue to be in, in my life and. Yeah. Um, you know, it made me it made me grow a lot. It made me learn a lot, and uh, certainly now as a coach, you know, times where I can reflect back on that story and and, and be very, I think, uh, aware of, of how someone you know maybe is on the cusp of being a college basketball player, someone who wants to be trying out for our team here at Colby, and and just um, how challenging those decisions can be. Right. So. so, so speaking of Colby, so you're back home in, in Northern California. You're at Foothill College. As you mentioned, Colby is in a very small town in Maine, Waterville. How did you hear, first hear about Colby? So, yeah, my best friend growing up, um, his dad was actually a Colby graduate class in 1965. And, you wow. know, I'm certainly dating myself a little bit here, but, you know, when I look at graduating in 97 from high school, um, you know, that was right at the time, you know, and, and through my first two years of junior college at Foothill College, um, where, like, the internet, I felt like, was just kind of beginning. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you could pop online and, and, and the old dial-up, uh, you know, the World Wide Web, and, you know, you could start, you know, looking at things, and it would take forever for a page to load. <laughs> uh, and, and so there wasn't a lot of information that was just easily accessible, like it uh-huh. is today. You know, I think we, we take it for granted so much. Um, and so really my, my only awareness to Colby was, was through my, my best friend's dad. And, you know, and kind of 
going through the two years at Foothill, it was an up and down two seasons. You know, we uh-huh. had a, 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 a coach that came in, our assistant actually took over my second year there. And, you know, again, the junior college game is, is such a different game. And, and again, probably wasn't the best fit for my skill set. Right, so, right. As I kind of went through a lot of lows, um, you know, through that time, um, you know, it was somewhere where I wasn't sure if I was going to keep playing basketball for my last two years. And, and it was something that I, I felt like I wanted to do, but I didn't know how realistic it was. And, and so um, I ended up transferring to UC Santa Barbara okay. and, uh, you know, did, did a quarter there and, uh, you know, Division One team out there in the Big West. I don't know if they're still in the Big West now. Um, and I was I was a borderline guy, you know, Division One, Division Three, you know, uh, and um, you know, it's sort of a similar situation where uh, you know, enrolled in school, went down there, you know, started my classes, uh, you know, talking to the coach. They basically said, you know, we'll have a tryout, which will be a one day tryout, um, and. The ironic part is that the coach from UC Davis, uh, you know, had a bunch of success. You know, I missed one national championship. So he actually switched and moved to UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> so now he's the head coach of UC Santa Barbara. Right, right. And so the same assistant that I was talking to uh, before is now now the assistant I'm talking to. Then I don't think he really put it all together, like, that I was right, the same right. guy. <laughs> so uh, I come to this one-hour tryout on, like, October 15th, you know, first, first day of practice or whatever. Ben. So I think the team had practiced in the morning, and they're doing this one-hour tryout. And there's like 15 of us. And I'm telling you, man, I was absolutely crushing it. And the best part for me about UCSB, you know, is there's like 30,000 students. And so you go down to the rec center, and there's always a game going on. Always and a pickup game. It was, it was the best, man. Yeah. Like you can just always go find a good run. So, you know, I was crushing it all fall, playing pickup with these guys and, and uh, you know, trying to get myself ready for the, for the one-hour tryout. And, uh, you know, so the time comes, you know, there's like 15 of us that come down to the gym for this, this, this tryout, you know, the head coach basically says, you know, we're, we're probably going to take one guy out of this, like basically, you know, show me what you got. And so this, this hour tryout goes on and I'm absolutely crushing it. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the hour, the coach kind of brings everyone together and he's like, you know, we're going to, we're going to sort of meet after this and talk and, and make some decisions and, and, uh, you know what we'll do is we'll we'll call we'll call you know whichever person you know if we want to keep someone we'll, we'll call them and, and uh, you know invite you down tomorrow and, and uh, so so we'll be in touch by tomorrow morning and so you know I go and I'm, th- this whole time and this could be just me thinking back on it like I I'm, I swear man he's staring at me as he's saying this the whole time like, I think he's like the, the fourteen other guys are no longer in the gym it's just me and him having this conversation. right right. <laughs> so good about everything that happened that that hour and I, you know i go back to my dorm room you know I, I fall asleep the next morning i got a couple classes and so I, you know i go to class and you know i basically come sprinting back from class back to my dorm room and and you know i'm just i'm hoping and again this is like pre-cell phone days so you know i'm just hoping there's going to be on the answering machine that's, that i got set up on my phone <laughs> that, that, that the red light's going to be flashing at me when i when i open up my dorm room and so i, I come running into my room and and I open up the dorm, and I, and I uh, first thing I do is I look at the phone, and there's no red light. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. Right, right. You know, so I end up reaching out to the coach. And, you know, basically he was like, listen, you know, you, you showed some really good things, but, you know, you're a junior. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just from their standpoint, you know, and keeping a walk on, you know, for a guy that's only got two years of eligibility left and a guy that, you know, 
it, it was it was hard to sort of see like you're gonna jump into their rotation and make an impact. You know, they were gonna keep a, a, a freshman that had four years and could kind of grow with their program and, and sort of um, just have more time. And you know, that was that was again uh, another uh, another situation where you know, looking back on it, I, I, it all makes sense now. At the time, that was really hard to uh, to sort of swallow. And um, you know, the, the to kind of complete the story. You know, I, I basically decided that I wanted to keep playing and, and kind of they'd offered me a spot to be like a manager. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I decided I wanted to keep 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 kind of you know making basketball part of my experience uh, on the court. And so um, decided at the end of that quarter that I was going to I was going to move back home, take some time off and, and try to reevaluate where I'm at. And so at this point. One of the guys that was playing in all those rec center games was actually had, had, had come back to UCSB or you know was there as a graduate student, and uh, he had just come from Pomona Pitzer. Okay, he was an assistant coach uh, down there with that program. And he's like, yeah. dude, he's like, I mean, I, I just, I'll call my coach, man. He's like, you'd be a fantastic fit for them. And so he kind of got me connected down there. You know, I decided that I wanted to. I wanted to keep playing, and I, I really wanted to kind of come to, to New England uh, or the Northeast just to experience something new. Right, you know, right. I've been born and raised in California and kind of wanted to, to get out and, and, and see a different part of the country. Uh, so I emailed every Ivy League coach. I emailed every NESCAP coach <laughs> and uh, you know, a handful of other schools here uh, in the Northeast that were good academic schools. And... Um, you know, the only two that wrote back to me were Colby and Tufts. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of put me uh, onto a path where I applied to Colby, I applied to Tufts. Um, I knew Pomona Pitzer wanted me, uh, so I kind of went down and did the recruiting process there. Um, you know, it, it kind of ties back to my best friend's dad, who I, I think, again, when I went through the application process, you know, he was able to, to call the dean of admissions here and, and sort of vouch for me. And, uh, you know, I got accepted to Colby, I got accepted into Pitzer. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I basically had to make a choice between the two of them. And I remember my best friend was like, Damien, man, he's like, when are you ever going to live in Maine? You know, <laughs> go there, you'll have two years there, you'll have the time of your life. Right, right. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, I would assume I'm going to move back home and, you know, move wherever you're going to move to start your professional career. And so um, I, I kind of accepted my admissions to Colby, never having set foot in the state of Maine. Uh, never had set foot, you know, on the campus here. And, uh, you know, I came out and, uh, and, and, and took a quick trip to visit the school in like early August. And, uh, a beautiful time of, up. a beautiful time of, oh, time of year in May too. Right, you know, that's, uh, just a perfect snapshot of what it is all, all 12 months. Of the year. <laughs> uh, and so my aunt knows me live outside of Boston. So I flew into Logan my aunt picked me up. I spent the night with them, and then I borrowed their car. And the next next morning, I drove up, and uh, you know, I met with Coach Whitmore here, uh, you know, and uh, talked. And 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 you know, literally, my, my plan was again, I'm I'm coming back to start my my junior year here, yeah. in like another three weeks. And the only way I'm not going to do it, you know, is if I come up here and I just can't stand it. And uh, yeah. you know, there wasn't really any students around because of the time of year it was. And I, and I still remember driving up and driving into campus for the first time. And I was like, holy smokes, man, this place is unreal. Yeah. Uh, and had a good conversation with coach. Um, they'd never seen me play. So he's like, yeah, you know, once you get back to school, you know, the, the guys will get in touch with you. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was really neat for me coming back. And, and after that first weekend, you know, the guys on the team reached out and, uh, you know, I was able to connect with them and started playing right away. And, you know, very much right away, I felt like this was this was finally home uh, and uh-huh. finally a place where I could I could really, um, you know, 
have the basketball experience be what I wanted it to be and, and, uh, and certainly get a great education in an academic environment uh, such as Colby. And, and as I've, I've said in the past now a number of times, I really had no idea what I was stumbling into, uh, you know, when I, when I look back on the process. But, but boy, am I thankful uh, that this is how it all worked out and, and shaped out for me because uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. So, so you mentioned uh, Coach Dick Whitmore, who you played for. What was it like to play for a legend at the Division Three level? It was it was awesome, and again, I would say I didn't really appreciate it fully until until probably after my playing time was over. Yeah. And um, you know, I would I would quickly tie it back into my four years of high school and my four years of college, which, as I've already sort of spoken to, um, took me to a few different places. I ended up playing for seven different head coaches. Uh, oh wow! Eight-year eight period, uh, and my junior year here at Colby was actually, um, you know, uh, the first time where I felt like I now have a coach and I'm in a program that really does it the right way. Uh-huh. And, uh, obviously, Coach Whitmore had, had been on a, uh, you know, at that time a great thirty-year run, and you know, Colby was was you know one of the top Division three programs in the country, and you know, I, I really had never experienced anything like that prior to that, and um, it was really eye-opening to me. And again, I, I feel so grateful uh, to have had that to have had that experience. Um, that junior year, which was two thousand two thousand one. Um, you know, we had a really good group of seniors. We had seven seniors that year. And I think I was able to kind of come in and, and really kind of help round out the team. Uh, and, um, you know, it was kind of actually, it, it sounds a lot cooler than when I get to the details of it, but it was the last time that we had finished in a tie for first. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, for Colby and the basketball team. Yeah. Uh, you know, from sort of in that 2000-2001 season. And it, it ended up, I think, being a five-way tie. Uh, at, at, at five teams that were all five and four. Uh, <laughs> and I think we ended up being the two seed. And that was the first year that we actually had a NESCAT conference tournament. Oh, wow. Uh, and, um, you know, it was uh, it was a great group of guys that I came into, a really strong senior class. And, um, you know, as, as we sort of ended up losing to Amherst in the conference semifinals uh, that year, um, you know, we, we, you know, sort of were in a situation where we were graduating a great group, um, there was a couple of holes in sort of the classes. You know, I was really like the only junior. Uh, and then like the sophomore class had two. And then there was like a, a small freshman class. And, you know, Coach Whitmore at that time was actually in a, a situation where his father was was kind of getting near uh, to the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had been a really successful high school coach down in Massachusetts. And and uh, Coach Whitmore, I think, especially with kind of the the graduation of the number of seniors and having such a – you know, a team that wasn't really, you know, it was just a young team. It was the right time for him to take a sabbatical. And, and he took a year to really spend time with his dad who was passing away. Uh, you know, took time to actually have his knee replaced uh, and try to you know, take care of some medical things for himself. Uh, and and so our assistant coach took over uh, for my senior season. And, uh, again, it was a, a situation that was a little different where we had like eight freshmen that came in uh, as a senior. I was like the lone senior. And, uh, you know, it was, it was again, a, a challenging year um, just because of how different it was from a year ago. And, yeah. and even for me, I felt like I had a freshman year and I had a senior year of college. Really, <laughs> I would have had you know, uh, more time here uh, because I think it would have helped me you know, just kind of round out all of the experiences and really appreciate what I had. But, um, you know, that senior year, we, we, we fought and, and, you know, I think we had to like scratch and claw for every 
uh, every win that we got that year. And, you know, we ended up, I think, winning 10 or 11 games that senior year. And it was like, that was the absolute peak of what that team could have accomplished. Yeah. Uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't very good and we weren't very, you know, we just, we weren't very experienced and, and, um, you know, when I sort of went through that that senior year, it, it made me really appreciate you know everything Coach Whitmore was, and that 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 full appreciation really began to take place after I graduated. And the guy that was our head coach my senior year uh, moved out to California and took a job out on the West Coast, and it kind of opened up a, a an assistant coaching position here at Colby, and uh, I came back and. Uh, I was teaching eighth grade math at the local middle school and, and coaching here um, in the afternoons and evenings. And it was my first sort of um, foray in, in, into wanting to, to sort of try to you know, become a, a coach as, as my profession. Yeah. And um, again, I had no idea as to all the things that go into the coaching um you know, profession and, and what it is, you know, you, you show up here as a player and, you know, you think you got all the answers and, you know, you, you obviously have a very focused and, um, you know, in terms of what your role is and kind of what your approach is and um, being able to learn under coach Whitmore for four years was just an incredible opportunity. And, you know, I really felt like I was getting my master's in coaching just by being around him. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've always described him as kind of like the, the Dean Smith of division three. Uh, and, you know, it's a reference that right now, probably, you know, a lot of folks don't understand, but when you look at the university of North Carolina and what Dean Smith was, for, yeah, yeah, for for sure. the leader of that program and just how many great basketball players came through there. You know, I think Dick Whitmore for, for us here at Colby was, was very similar. Uh, and um, to really be, uh, behind the scenes and to see all that goes into it was just uh, eye-opening and, and really only fueled my passion for wanting to coach and, 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 and really learn from him. And uh, it was a great four years. And, um, you know, it, it sort of set me up to be able to go down to Columbia University and, and sort of you know begin the next chapter in my coaching career. But um, I owe, I owe a, a huge debt of gratitude to Coach Whitmore and, and just everything that, that he helped me with throughout right, this right. process. So, so after four years at Colby as an assistant, as you mentioned, you, you go to Columbia. What are some of the similarities or differences between being a young assistant at the D three level and the and the D one level? Yeah, you know, it was uh, some similarities in the sense of the academic environment. You know, certainly the types of kids that we recruit uh, and, and coach. Uh, you know, a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a difference, you know, and, and I think the, the best way that I was able to sort of learn or figure it out was, you know, you look at Ivy's to NESCAC and, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of similarities in the style of play. There's a lot of similarity in the ability. And maybe one of the differences at that point was like three or four inches. And so, you know, you look at your bigs at that level and, you know, they're, they're six ten, six eleven, seven foot, you know, and yeah. oftentimes, especially back then in the NESCAC, you know, it was maybe more like six six, six five, six six, six seven. Yeah. Uh, and the same was true with like you know wing guards and point guards. You know, it was just like three or four inches that seemed like the difference between someone that that could play here versus someone that could play there. Uh, and um, you know, the other major difference was you know one for me at that time. Um, you know, as I mentioned here, Colby, I was teaching eighth grade math, and so when I when I moved down to Columbia. Uh, you know, and back then the, the third spot was a volunteer spot. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I came in at the assistant level. Um, I wasn't getting paid. Uh, I was living in New York City trying to figure out how the heck I'm going to do this. <laughs> um, 
but but what it did allow me to do was was to be in the office uh, yeah. the entire day. And uh, again, I came into a great situation uh, with Coach Jones, um, you know, who had come to Columbia from Villanova University, and he'd obviously been with Jay Wright there, and he actually was with Jay Wright at, at Hofstra before that. And you know, they that was Joe's fourth year, uh, you know, and so he had sort of worked to, to build the program up. You know, they had some really good momentum going. His first first recruiting class uh, were juniors, uh, you know, when I got there. And uh, the thing that I was most amazed by, um, you know, was, was, you know, we had, you know, a, a full-time staff. So you obviously had the head coach. You had two other full-time assistants. You had myself, and then you had the ops guy. And just the, the ability to come into the office every single day with five guys that are all you know, all working to, to try to build a championship level program. And, and, and the two assistants there at the time were, were fantastic. And, um, you know, been assistants, you know, at the division one level for, for over 10 years each. And, and so I was able to learn a lot. And, you know, the best thing for me was, you know, Joe wanted someone that was just going to be there with him and be his right hand guy. And, and, and the two assistants at that time, both had young families and, and were actually commuting in from New Jersey. And so, you know, I became Coach Jones's you know, person, and, and uh, when he was in the office, I was in the office. And you know, the funny part about that was he was living across the street, you know, at 115th and uh, and Broadway, uh, you know, in Columbia Housing, and, and I was out at the end of the six train in the Bronx, uh, <laughs> out in Pelham Bay Park. So he'd be like, "Damn, I'm I'm going to be there at 7:30 tomorrow. So uh, you know, I'll see you then." And you know, this would be at like nine o'clock at night. <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta take the bus, you know, across, uh, across and through Harlem. Yeah. Uh, you know, get on the six train. You know, it'd be an hour. You know, I'd be getting home at like, a, you know, ten thirty, eleven at night, and then for me to get back and beat him in the office, you know, at seven thirty a.m. You know, I'd have to be back on that train at like six fifteen. <laughs> and uh, you know, so he's walking across the street, and and uh, you know, I'm trying to make this all happen. But you know, it really gave me a chance to, to again learn a lot and, and be there right with him, and just 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 talk through an incredible number of different things from recruiting to building a program to kind of the hot the style of how you want to play, um, just all the things that go into it, which again, at that level and with the resources you have available to you, um, you know, that, that was again, one of the biggest differences between the NESCAC and the Ivy and, and just kind of how it works. And so, you know, that was just a, an incredible learning experience. Uh, it coincided with some, some really good teams, uh, that Columbia hadn't had in, in, in a few decades. And so being able to see all that come together was a lot of fun. And, 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 and obviously, you know, you go from California where I grew up to Waterville, Maine, where I did, you know, two years of school and four years as an assistant uh, to New York City. Yeah, you know, that, big that job. Part to, to, to Waterville, to New York <laughs> City, is not a path that many have taken. No, no. Uh, so I really appreciated the, the differences that, that that I was sort of exposed to, uh, and just sort of being able to live in different parts of the country and and, uh, and take all that in. So, so after four years at Columbia, you go to you get the head coaching job at Plymouth State. And you're only there for one year as uh, uh, you get hired at your alma mater, Colby, to replace Dick Whitmore. How did you go about establishing your own culture at Colby when the program had been run by the same voice since 1970? Yeah, you know, 40 years, uh, you're spot on. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was something when, you know, I, I thought about, you know, and, and sort of when I first got into coaching, uh, and, and the more I got into it, the more I really wanted to stay at the college level 
because I think, you know, kind of coming through high school and, and through my, 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 my time, especially before Colby, you know, I always thought I was going to be like a high school basketball coach and, and probably, you know, an educator, uh, you know, probably a math teacher. And um, it wasn't until I got to Colby as a player that I really saw the ins and outs of, of everything that this was and, and, and again, how, how much my thought process shifted into wanting to do it at the college level. Uh, that only grew uh, by going down to Columbia and really sort of being exposed to that, you know, I, I remember my first division one basketball game at, at, at Columbia was, was down at Duke. Oh, wow. We, we played a preseason <laughs> NIT and, and, uh, I remember flying down there and we got in the day before and we're, we're going getting ready to go to practice and, and, uh, you know, we're coming through the, the whole, you know, uh, and all the tents outside. And it was just, it was incredible, man. It was such a, such a different experience. You know, when you're used to opening up with, you know, one of the local main teams and now all of a sudden you're in Cameron indoor stadium. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and those moments just again, really fueled my desire to want to coach, uh, at the college level. And, you know, what I honestly hoped for was, was, you know, being able to, I, I felt like if I ever had a chance to, to do what Coach Whitmore did in terms of being someone for 40 years, um, that that's what I would love to have the opportunity to do. And, and really, if I could ever have the chance to be considered to take over for him, um, that would be like, you know, the dream job for me. Yeah. And, you know, as I moved through those nine years, you know, four here at Colby, four at Columbia, and a year at Plymouth State, you know, the timing, you know, became you know, sort of opened up when, when Coach Whitmore decided to, to, to retire. And, um, you know, really fortunate to be able to to be considered for this job. And, you know, certainly think I had the experience that hopefully would help, you know, create success here. And, you know, when I look back, you know, we have such a great history to build on here at Colby. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the 40 years that Coach Whitmore was here and just a number of great teams and great players that had come through here. Um, you know, it, it was it was something that I was really excited about. Um, you know, the NESCAC is such a rich uh, and high level of Division Three basketball that, you know, you knew you were going to be competing um, against some of the very best teams in the country. And, you know, at that time with where Colby was and kind of with what we'd be returning in my first season here, you know, I, I think we knew it would be a process. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people would, would ask me, like, you know, how in the world do you do you replace someone like Dick Whitmore? And, you know, the easy answer is you don't. Um, yeah. And, you know, those are obviously huge shoes to fill. Uh, and the thing that I've, I, I said back then, and you know, I still feel very much um, today, is, you know, that, that he prepared, uh, I think, in a really, in a really good way uh, to to, to, to do my best at trying to fill those shoes. And, and obviously, you know, no one could fill those shoes, but, um, you know, being able to sort of take the great things that he had done here and then how do you put your own twist on them and how do you, you know, uh, push the program forward and sort of given the time and era that, that we were in back there in the, in you know, the 2011 timeframe. And, and, um, you know, it was, it was an exciting challenge for us to take on. And, and, uh, you know, we, we worked through, uh, you know, our first recruiting class that came in and I thought, you know, began to help us take the steps that we wanted to take. And, and, um, you know, I, I think the best thing that we have for us here at Colby is, um, you know, Coach Whitmore was such a, a, a tremendous presence for our college as yeah. a whole. Um, over that entire four decade, you know, time span, and you know, when you look back at the guys that played here, th- there's such a commonality in terms of just the positive experience that they had here, and how transformative it was, um, not just in their four years here, but how it shaped their professional lives going forward. And and you know, you see that, you know, through the era, it's going all the way back to 1970, and that's been one of the coolest things 
to sort of be aware of as a player. Right, right. But then when you start coaching and you start to get to know just the context and just the depth that exists there amongst all of those um, players that, that, that played over 40 years, you know, we definitely were very grateful that we could kind of keep that continuity going forward, keep that connection uh, to our alumni group, uh, you know, and, and, and have it sort of be as strong as, as you would ever want it to be. Um, because I think that group wanted to see sort of the same success that they'd had over 40 years right. you know, continue going forward. And, you know, it, it obviously took us some time uh, to work towards that and, and certainly had some blips uh, along the way. Um, but especially, you know, when you fast forwarded to this past season, it was probably one of the things that I was most proud of is, is kind of the goal of, of wanting to return Colby basketball back to being at the very top or competing at the very top of NESCAC and, and having a chance to make a, a run in an NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were close. Yeah. And, uh, there was a lot of excitement from, from guys that, you know, played all the way back into the sixties, uh, as to what we were working on and, and working towards. And, and that was a really neat thing to sort of experience and, and what I'd hope we'd be able to accomplish. And, you know, hopefully that's the, you know, the, the first chapter of something we can kind of keep going forward. So you mentioned process and I, and I kind of want to get, get into that a little bit. So the game of basketball coach, it feels like is evolving every year and the NBA game is practically unrecognizable from eight years ago. Uh, it feels like it's it's due to the increased presence of analytics in the NBA. The, the games play at a much, much faster pace, and teams are attempting more threes than ever. You guys at Colby, more so than any other team in the NESCAC, I believe, have truly embraced modern basketball. What motivated you to adopt your current playing style? Yeah, you know, I'd say a couple things. Like, one, and, and I'll, I'll take this back to kind of as a player, and, and certainly, you know, guys that I played with and, and uh, still to this day love to joke with me that I still don't know if I know what defense is. <laughs> they, they didn't feel like I think I ever played uh, played much defense and uh, certainly knew how to get some shots up on the rim, uh, you know, back, back, back in those days. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think based on my experience here, based on just kind of how I was as a player, you know, certainly what I was able to add to Columbia and kind of where my focus was down there, you know, we, I've always been more drawn to the offensive side of the game than the defensive side of the game. And, and uh, you know, we wanted to, to sort of embrace that here and, and try to build our program with skilled players, you know, guys that you know, could, could make shots, guys that could do different things and, and really put pressure to the defense in different ways. And, and you know, I, I think that's kind of evolved for us, you know, over the last nine years with, with a couple different recruiting classes and, and really in kind of learning um, from mistakes or learning from, you know, struggles that we had, you know, through that process. Um, and, and a big part of it, you know, Dave, ties back into, you know, when you're talking about competing against the NESCAC, you know, I think we felt like if we were just going to play traditionally like everybody else, uh-huh. like Williams, like Amherst, like the teams that were kind of competing at the very top of the NESCAC and at the top of Division Three, you know, we're probably going to lose that, that battle. Um, and so how can we sort of think about, a different approach. You know, where can we find a path to be successful, you know, to a championship level? And I think it, it really sort of tied into where sort of the admissions process was at Colby, um, kind of the changes that, that, that our school has been going through in, in, in incredibly exciting ways over yeah. the last you know, few years. Um, but, you know, it, it, it also, I think, led us to sort of feel like, you know, the three-point shot was something that we really needed to use. Um, how can we try to stretch and space the floor and, and, and try to take advantage of a, 
of an identity that, that is maybe different uh, than others. And, um, you know, I think, again, it's, it's been a work in, in progress uh, over the last few years and, and probably this, this past team and this past senior class that we had, um, you know, really brought it together in, in an incredibly exciting way where, um, you know, the, the pace with which we play, the skill set with sort of, um, you know, they bring to the table and, and how we make teams sort of think about having to guard us, um, you know, was, was an identity that, that, that we wanted to create, and, and these guys really brought it together here. And, and uh, you know, I, I think you're always kind of looking to sort of what's what's the next evolution of that and, and where is this going to go, you know, moving forward. And uh, I don't think those are questions that we have answered right now. But uh-huh. uh, I think the process in terms of, you know, the types of players we wanted to bring in here, how they've gone about their work and developing their game has been an incredibly important part to it. And, you know, um, has gotten us to the point where over the last couple of years, I think we've been able to compete, you know, with and against anybody. And yeah, for sure. That part about the NESCAC is on any given night, anybody can beat anybody. Exactly. Um, you know, we've, uh, I think early on, we're certainly trying to hunt people and, and try to catch up to some folks. And I know this year and, and uh, some times where, you know, you're, you're still worried about every single team that you face because anyone's good enough to beat you. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, the 2019-20 season was arguably the best in Colby history. When did you know that this past group could do something special? Yeah, you know, I, I think we, we felt like it was coming, uh, at least had the chance to, to happen. Um, you know, you can never be certain uh, because there's so many variables that go into it. Um, you know, and, and and I think, again, you know, you can go back to the process and then kind of the first couple of years, you know, for the senior class that's going to be graduating here this spring. You know, falling short of the NESCAC tournament was, was a real tough pill to swallow. Um, I think it definitely put a chip on their shoulder and, and certainly for us as a program, um, you know, wanting to – to get back and compete at a championship level that, you know, there was some, some, a lot of work to be done. Right. But, uh, I think those guys embraced it a hundred percent. You know, um, I think we were able to sort of focus what we needed to do to, to, to make the progress we wanted to make. And um, I think that, you know, we began to see that, that really take form two years ago, uh, you know, jumping up to 17 wins was, I thought, a really important step, uh, you know, in the 18-19 season. Right, right. Um, I thought we were sort of building to that the year prior uh, in the 17-18 season. You know, we were 10-5 and five and then had one of our guys went down with a concussion and missed, you know, the last nine games and, and kind of put us into a tailspin where we lost eight in a row. Um and, and so, you know, you, you saw bits and pieces of it uh, going back into that 18-19 season. I think, again, you know, finally a, 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 a time when we felt like that identity was really taking shape on the court and, and making teams sort of have to think differently as to how they're going to play when they face us. And, and uh, some good success, uh, you know, in terms of jumping up to the mid-teens in terms of wins, um, getting back in the NESCAC tournament, you know, falling short in the quarterfinal game down at Hamilton. Uh, you know, against a really good Hamilton team. Uh, and then I think, you know, when you, when you take it to this season, this past season, you know, again, uh, you know, coming into that November 1st time frame, you know, I remember sort of after one of our early season practices, you know, I felt like 
our top seven returners mm-hmm. had all gotten significantly better uh, yeah. from where we were a year ago. And, you know, part of that was, you know, Dean Weiner was, was away uh, for, for, for a year abroad. Um, you know, uh, Noah Tyson came in and had a you know, great freshman rookie of the year season as a sophomore. Um, you know, I think we liked our freshman class this past year and, and, and felt like Will was going to have a chance to kind of add. Uh, Will King would have a chance to add, you know, kind of a – a really important skill set in terms of how he passes the ball and right, how that right. sort of connects our shooters. And, and you know, I think felt like we got a chance to, to really get to the level where we can win this thing and, and, and go after it. And, again, I, I give the guys all the credit. Um, you know, they've, they've worked incredibly hard uh, to, to make that um, become possible. And, um, you know, obviously moving through the, the year and, and being able to, to get into the top 25, you know, for the first time, since I've been here, yeah. um, you know, being able to, 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 you know, get to eight NESCAC wins and share a regular season conference title with Tufts, you know, which again was the first time since back when I was a student here as a junior in, in 2000, 2001. And, right. Right. Um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of years, uh, have elapsed, uh, between now and then. And I think it speaks to, again, how good the conference has, has always been, um, you know, and, and, uh, being able to, to get to championship weekend, uh, you know, first time since you know I've been back, uh, we were able to play in the, into that semifinal and championship game, and and again, you know, our guys um, work to create that. Uh, they they played so well together. Um, it was one of the best groups that I've ever been around in terms of sort of their singular focus and what they wanted to achieve, and not really yeah. caring as the who got the shots or the points today or who got the right. Like you know, we just. You know, if we win at the level we want to try to win at, you know, we're all going to get the recognition that we'd hope for. And, right. and um, you know, it was neat to sort of see that that selflessness exist. Um, I couldn't be more proud of of, of the senior class that that, that we had, and and, uh, and and really the group as a whole in terms of just how they went about and their approach. Uh, you know, over the last couple of years to create this, and you know, it's always tough uh, when it ends. And you know, I certainly felt like. We had some injuries that, that kind of, um, you know, ended up being significant for us, and, and we're sort of running on fumes towards the end of our, our season and, and trying to fight and scratch and claw to, yeah. to have a chance to still win it in the NESCAC tournament. And, and obviously, you know, the NCAAs, and um, you know, I think it would have been a lot of fun if we could could have gotten healthy and, right. uh, and really taken a shot at it. But you know, that's the that's the reality of sports. Uh, you know, so many things have to break your way, and, and uh, I think when I look back. You know, here in the, in the month since the season has ended, or whatever it's been, um, you know, three weeks. You know, you you, you really appreciate um, just the the amount of time and the process, and just the incredible number of people that had to be a part of making this happen. And, right. And uh, that that was one of the most neat takeaways for me from that NCAA tournament game. Was you know we're down at Stevens, you know, in New Jersey, and you know come off a. A terrible first half where we throw up 17 points and uh, <laughs> getting clobbered and, uh, you know, find a way again to, in the second half, try and make it a game. And, yeah, for and sure. Cut it to four and, and uh, you know, don't don't get it to that one possession game where hopefully you got a chance to find a way to seal it. But, you know, the locker room afterwards and seeing those guys uh, and just how, how, you know, the reality that it was over. Uh, you know, that was one of the, the sort of just the, a set of emotions that will be with me for a long time. Uh, and then coming out of that locker room to the lobby, and, and it was it was incredible. We had, you know, probably nine or ten of our alums, you know, who had played for me, 
back in the early 2011, 12, you know, we kind of had been at the different stages of the growing of the program and to sort of see them and, and connect with them, you know, was, was, was really a special moment because it was kind of like, you know, you, you saw the progress in, in real life terms and people yeah. uh, and from where we were to, to where we'd gotten to. And, and so, you know, again, um, when you look at success at any level in any program or anything, you know, it, it takes everybody. For and, sure. Uh, you know, we're so fortunate here to have a great group of players. You know, I have a fantastic coaching staff that I've been able to work with and have been instrumental in, in really creating this. And, and Coach Ackley and Coach Pilot and, and Coach Montz joining us this past year. You know, you look at our administration and our leadership up through the president, uh, who's just an incredible and just a, a hugely aspirational you know, person and vision for Colby and kind of what's been going on here the last four or five years, you know, an athletic director that just uh, joined us here, you know, in the, in, in the late fall that I think is going to be a fantastic leader for us. And, and obviously, you know, connecting it through to our alumni and, and, uh, and the other people across campus that again, want to see athletics be successful. And just, you feel really grateful as right, to right. the people you work with and, um, no matter how much drive or how much want we have to sort of be a championship level team or program, it wouldn't help happen with, without them. Uh, For sure. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something that, again, was, was, was neat to see and look back on just all the people that have had a huge hand in, in the success that, that, that has really happened over the last couple of years. For sure. And, and, and you know, you talked about just the, the buy-in from everyone and, and knowing that the validation would come with winning. And, and you guys started this past season winning your first 18 games, and you reached as high as fifth in the national D3hoops.com uh, top 25 poll. For a coach like to change the way you guys played in such a bold and way, did what did that mean to you as a coach? And was it any type of validation in the way that you guys completely revamped the way you played to, to prove that, hey, this can actually really work? And, and as you said, compete in the NESCAC and at a national level? Yeah, I mean, I guess when you step back and, 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 and think of it in those terms, I mean, I, I think I'd be lying if I said it, it wasn't. <laughs> um, because, you know, you, you look at Colby and you look at, again, where we typically stack up and, and just, again, kind of how the NESCAC falls, not just in basketball, but across sports. And, you know, it's a huge mountain to climb. And, um, you know, I, I, I know a comment was relayed to me even as, as, as recently as like a couple of years ago, where it's just like, you know, uh, a coach, you know, who, who coached in, in the NESCAC and also coached at the division one level, I, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's just, it's going to be almost impossible to win at Colby because of just the natural barriers that exist, you know, there. And, you know, th- that's certainly a daunting thing to try to tackle, um, you know, and, and I think again, it really sort of, tied or connected into the, to, to wanting and, and having to figure out a different way to do this. And, you know, I think that that again is something that I would just sort of speak to, you know, it happens in all walks of life Yeah, and you know, being able to sort of figure out, you know, what an individual's plan or whether it's a business or, you know, whatever it may be, a relationship, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You, know, you got to figure out what, what do I want to try to build this to and what is going to be the right pathway to make that happen. And, you know, obviously, you know, and I think back to it when we first sort of said, we're probably going to have to downsize and not be worried about how tall we are or kind of who our starting center is. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the history of basketball and most people would be like, man, Damien, you're a moron. Like, yeah. you know, this, this, this is not how this game is played. Like, what are you thinking? And, um, you know, I, I think we made some calculated decisions and some strategic decisions, but I, I think they were the right ones for us and, and kind of what 
what the process needed to be. And, and, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm grateful and, and, and certainly, you know, um, feel a lot better looking back after having seen it result in sort of this, um, because, you know, could you have fallen on your, you know, flat on your face and making yeah. some of those decisions? Absolutely. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it, it just ties back into having the right people, um, you know, believing in kind of what that process should be and, and feeling supported in what that process uh, should be and, you know, put your best foot forward and, and certainly, you know, would I have sort of thought back in the fall that, you know, getting the number five in the country was, was something that I thought was going to happen? I mean, I, I, I certainly hoped and thought that that was a possibility. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, these guys work to, to, to create and make that happen. And, and um, you know, I, I, uh, I think that, you know, you're, you're always you f- you're always feeling the most recent you know, um, Feeling, yeah. obviously, you know, losing in the NCAA tournament, you know, going back to the, to the NESCAC championship game and, and, and losing in, in just a, a fantastically competitive game against Tufts and a team that played great and, and obviously had a fantastic year. And, um, you know, I, I still sort of wanted, man, how, how, I'm that 35 footer from, from that guy. <laughs> that. couldn't have just, just you know, been two more inches to the left and out. <laughs> And uh, somehow we would have found a way to walk out of there as yeah. champions. And, you know, someone was talking to me a couple of days after it. And it's like, you know, everything that you guys work towards uh, to build and to create, you know, if that shot misses and your NESCAC champions or that shot goes in and, go, and, and, you know, you end up like, I mean, you guys worked and you guys earned you know, being at a championship level and, yeah. and, you know, being in that locker room afterwards and knowing that those guys, you know, the seniors will never have a chance to have, have had that, or were that close to having it be theirs. You know, that's again, a, a set of emotions that will live with me for the rest of my life. But you know, what, once, once you try to get past that sting, I think again, it's, it's incredibly important to, to just re sort of center your focus on, on all of the good that they, that they work to, to earn. Um, you know, even though the, we, we again, you know, felt as close or as, as, as you know, as unfortunately close as you could um, to making that happen. Yeah. So we've we've talked about just the the, the style of play, and, and I just want to give the the listeners some stats just to show how uh, much of an emphasis you guys have three on three point shooting. But you guys also play a real team game on offense as well. So you guys were third in the country in three point attempts this past season with nine hundred ninety five and fifth in the country in total assists with 550. How much time do you guys spend in practice on offense and just on shooting? Yeah, that's a, that's a you know, I think an important question. Now, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on shooting, uh, you know, and, and um, you know, a good chunk of, of our early practice planning is, is, is all sort of centered on that. Um, you know, I, I think, again, it's it's – it's something where you look at coaches and everyone's got a different philosophy and a different style. And I think, you know, you, what you try to work towards is, is sort of what you believe in and what you feel like is going to put your players in the best position to be successful. So, you know, we, we obviously get a lot of shots up. Uh, you know, I think volume is really important when it, when it comes to that. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time doing, you know, live competitive stuff. Um, you know, I would say we probably play a lot more five on five, uh, than, than a lot of places, at least mm-hmm. that I've been exposed to. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it, it, um, you know, for me, 
one of the real exciting pieces this past year was just seeing how well we shared the ball. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I think we've, 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 we've been tracking kind of the assist numbers and obviously the shooting numbers, um, you know, even going back to kind of my first recruiting class that I think again played such an important process and, and helping to build our program back to it, you know, and, and graduated in, in the 15, 16 season. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, when, when you sort of build the pace and getting up and down the court, um, obviously you're just trying to, to put pressure to the defense. If, if we can't score, you know, in the transition game, how can you now space the floor and, and try to make, make people come out and guard different, different actions, different, different spaces uh, on the court. And, and really at the end of the day, you know, no matter what a defense is doing, you know, we should be able to create some kind of breakdown and, and something good should happen as long as we kind of keep making the right play and making the right reads and, and keep playing with, with, with each other. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it was, it was neat to see those stats evolve. And, and again, it, I know at some point, you know, my, my assistant Tyler Ackley, who's fantastic, was rattling off some of the stats to me throughout the season. And it's like, Holy smokes, you know, I, I don't know if I would have thought we you know, could have quite gotten to that level, but it's just <laughs> incredible, you know, um, the way guys were shooting the ball, certainly how they've worked to, uh, to, to, to get to that level. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at some people and even every once in a while I get like an email from an old timer who would be like, like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> you know, like this isn't a game, like the way it's supposed to be played. And, you know, why aren't you throwing the ball inside more? And it's like, you know, you, you, it's hard to sort of get into the, the whole depth of the detail as to why, but, you know, certainly it, it speaks to, to some of the analytics that have really yeah. evolved in, in the last however many years. And, and really for us, it's more about just what, what, what do we feel is going to be our, our best opportunity to be successful. And, you know, the, the ironic part for me a little bit is, uh, you know, thinking back to my early coaching days and, and kind of Grinnell, college uh you know who kind of had the system uh you know where there would be five guys yeah five guys out every minute and, and basically would take however many ridiculous number of threes a game and with full court press um coach uh coach arsenal there was was actually colby grad oh wow uh, and uh, he played here at colby for dick whitmore back in the 70s and uh you know it was funny hearing him speak uh because you know when that sort of first took off you know, I think he was really looking at, at sort of a style that he wanted to create at Grinnell that that would, one, you know, give them a chance to be successful, and two, you know, drive interest in their program and yeah. in their team. And, and sort of, you know, you go to some of these Division three games, and there's, you know, 120 people in the gym, and, and you know, um, he, he was really able to create something there that, that was unique and, and became theirs. And, you know, one of the things I think he said was, you know, so much of everything he, he did at Colby under Coach Whitmore was, was defense and just grinding it out. But it was like, you know, you go to the, the polar opposite. Of it. And, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was really cool. In one of my first years coaching here at Colby, they actually came and played in the tournament here with us. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. It was, uh, it was neat to see sort of the system firsthand and kind of what, what they'd done with it. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, you've seen some other Division three teams kind of pick that up and, yeah. and, and do it. And, you know, I guess the thing that I guess I like most about sort of how this is built for us here at Colby is it, it still, I would say, has the traditional elements of the game and, and uh -huh. kind of, you know, um, not necessarily taking it quite as extreme as, as, as they've done uh, down, down there. Uh, and so, you know, when, when you look at kind of the assist numbers, when you look at the three-point numbers, when you, you know, I think, especially look back at this past year for, for the first time, I think we actually defended at a level that you, know, you felt like you could win games on that side of the floor as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, 
it to me kind of had the the bits and pieces that maybe are the best uh, of all of it. Uh, and and um, you know that that's something where you know I, I felt like especially on like a per possession basis, you know what, what, what we were doing offensively was 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 that really really pretty 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 remarkable for sure. So. One of your seniors coach, Sam Jefferson, put together one of the best t- statistical seasons in NESCAC history. Even while battling an ankle injury down the stretch, Sam averaged 19 points per game, shooting 60% from the field, 50% from three, on over six attempts per game, and 88% from the line. I personally think that if he didn't get hurt, he would have been a lock for the conference player of the year and very likely at least a second team uh, All-American spot. Just from just the way that you guys played, you've mentioned how it's just spacing the court and just what does having a guy like him who can shoot the way that he can do for the way you guys play? Yeah, you know, it, it really an important piece. Uh, and, and again, I would sort of take it back to a two-year snapshot, you know, going back to his junior year. Um, you know, he was our quote-unquote starting five. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people were putting their starting five man on him. And, you know, I think that was kind of where an advantage was created. And, and then that guy having to come out and guard him and, um, you know, when when you fast forward that to this past year, you know, I think teams realize, and, and especially with kind of, I think, how he had worked to improve his game and just how ridiculously efficient he was playing in terms of his shooting numbers, um, you know, that, that, that teams had to switch from that. And oftentimes we put their best defender on him, you know, and the guard on him. And so it was actually kind of really neat to see how he had – done enough to work on his game where he could take advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the quick story on Sam Jefferson, and, and again, I, I think when you look at what he worked to accomplish over this past four years and really what this senior season, and, and unfortunately there's there's just a reality that the injury he dealt with, you know, in, a, in the Hamilton game, that in the NESCAC play was, was, was a huge one. And, and, you know, I think again, I would agree with you and obviously I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of where he was trending, not just, you know, maybe NESCAC player of the year, but certainly an all American level player. And you know, I was telling someone this, you know, before he got hurt, he was one, you know, made free throw. Like he, he you know, missed one. If he made one fourth, one more free throw, he would have got a 60, 50, 90. Guy. Oh my God. And, and again, like, like, you know, you hear about 50, 40, 90. In the yeah. NBA and then like, it's so rare. Like this is 60, 50, 90. Yeah. And you know, when you look at some of the efficiency stats and you know, I think all of us, you know, in the NESCAC, you know, use the, the synergy program, yep. you know, he was the most efficient player in the country by a huge <laughs> margin. And he was like averaging like 1.4 points per possession. Yeah. And like his volume, you know, he'd have like, you know, 300 or some odd possessions. And then the, like everyone else that was in that same range as him, you know, taking like, you know, eight shots on the year. And it was something that I had never seen before. Um, and, and the reason why I think it was so special is when I take it back to his freshman and sophomore year where, you know, Sam was never, I think someone that was really, uh, you know, someone you would you would speak to about having a fantastic work ethic or his approach to the game, and you know, he was I think always a very talented shooter. He would come to the gym, you know, and I remember you know late in his freshman year, I think we were talking after the season. I'm like, well, you know, so talk to me about your workout plan, and he's like, well, you know, I really only come into the gym when I feel like my shot is off. <laughs> and I'm like looking at him across the table, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. That's, that was just like his mentality, and. Yeah. And I think coming coming after his sophomore season, you know, and, and again, I mentioned earlier, you know, in falling short of the NESCAC playoffs, um, you know, his first two years, uh, I think he, 
he felt like, and I think as a program as a whole, you know, we felt like we had to sort of shift and, and rethink our approach and our process and, and really, you know, in, in, in what our off-season program is. And I tell you, man, he, he attacked that with a relentless abandon um, that, that you know, you need to to be successful at right. the Division three level because, you know, so much of it is, is your self-drive because we don't have out-of-season workouts with a coach where we can get in and do two hours a week like we could when I was, you know, coaching at Columbia and in the Ivy League. And so, you know, what, what I saw from him from a mindset sort of change and transformation was incredible. And, you know, he worked – uh, to earn everything that he, you know, was getting or was was trending towards this year, and um, you know, it certainly coincided with the rise of our program and, and you know, competing uh, at the top at NESCAC and and um, you know, it's it's the part again about sports that stinks in the sense that you know he didn't have a chance to see it through and and uh, you know, unfortunately, the ankle injury that he suffered was was pretty significant and you know he tried to gut through it and yeah. uh, you know even even as he was sort of slowly returning to health, you know, we were just kind of hoping that our season could hang on long enough where maybe he could get back to be a, you know, a closer set of sense of what he was. Uh, and, you know, it, it never quite got there. But, yeah. Um, you know, his ability to shoot the ball and like, you know, when you look uh, at, at someone, you know, and there was a sequence this fall when he was doing like one of his spot shooting drills, you know, where, you know, he's, he's shooting 50, uh, you know, at five spots, you know, 250 makes. Um, you know, I remember him telling our assistant, you know, after after one of his workouts, you know, that he did, you know, he's like, you know, he missed he missed his first shot at one of the spots, then he drilled the next 50. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I was just, I was reflecting on that. And, you know, I think back, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I used to take a lot of shots and be on the yeah. chucking the ball up at the rim. <laughs> I think the most threes I ever made in a row was 36. Wow. And I remember thinking, like, man, that is that is ridiculous. Right, right. And then I'm and then I'm thinking, like, like once you go past thirty six and up towards fifty, like every shot you're then shooting, it's even more and more ridiculous. Oh, it's and yeah, then it was unreal. like a week later, we were probably thinking, like, you know what? When he made his fiftieth at that spot and drilled fifty in a row, and then moved to the next spot, <laughs> and he probably didn't just start off with a miss. Like, it, no, he probably, he probably kept going. That. We probably get going. So none of us know what the number is. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's, again, that's what he worked uh, to become. And, and he was a guy that, that really could, again, make shots. And and the thing that he added to is now is, is, is I think he got the best defender on teams coming out to guard him and someone that, that again, wasn't a, a traditional center. Um, you know, he had to expand his game and be able to put the ball on the floor, be able to attack off the bounce. You know, he really, you know, we tried to work with him on, on getting some post touches and just, just becoming a much more well-rounded player. Yeah. And, um, it's so easy to look to his shooting, and I, I, I give a, a major shout out to Sam in the sense of one of the most underrated parts of what he allowed us to do was, you know, Sam at six four was obviously undersized against most everyone he matched up against, uh, but you know he was a really strong defender. He was a really smart defender, and he allowed us to sort of negate maybe the size differential that, that other teams would have um, by sort of what he would take on defensively and, and, and wrestling with some, some big guys down low. And, um, you know, that, that part is certainly overshadowed uh, by his just For offensive sure. efficiency and what he does. But I thought a really important part of, of the success that, that he had individually and, and really how it, how it built into our team's success. So you guys, as, as you mentioned, you make it all the way to the NESCAC championship game. 
and you're, you're playing toughs. And that was a, a game for the ages, a back-and-forth affair. And it was also a, a game of true conflicting styles, you guys being the smaller, quicker team, while toughs having you know that traditional dominant post player in Luke Rogers, who would eventually go on to win the, the Conference Player of the Year. So Luke had 15 points at the half on 7 of 8 shooting. What do you remember saying to your team at halftime to adjust the game plan and limit him to just one point for the rest of the half? Yeah, it was it was definitely a tale of two halves, and uh, you know Luke uh, Luke Rogers is you know a fantastic player, a fantastic season, and um, you know again is is one of those you know traditional bigs that you know that there doesn't seem to be a lot of them anymore. But you know his skill and athletic and size combination is is absolutely fantastic, and you know certainly uh, you know speaks to why he's an All American and, and NSCAC Player of the Year. Um, you know we we had a uh, you know, it wasn't easy for us to match to him personnel-wise, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you look at our starting group. And, and you know, we had a, a six-seven guy, Dean Weiner, coming off the bench that I think is a really good defender and, um, you know, doesn't have the same maybe physical size or strength as Luke, uh, but has always been a fantastic shot blocker. Yep. And, you know, um, there, were, there were times where, again, you know, maybe their minutes weren't overlapping. And, and so, you know, Luke was really able to control um, you know, the first half and, 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 and you know, again, uh, scored 15 points on seven of eight shooting or whatever it was. And, and um, you know, I think we were down, I don't know, it was like a 15 point halftime deficit or something along those lines, maybe yeah. cut it to 12 or, you know, somewhere in that range. And, and um, you know, in the second half, I think we, we tried to, you know, we certainly switched and played some zone. Uh, and I thought that kind of allowed us to sort of try to get some, some bodies just around him. Um, in a different way. And, um, you know, we kind of were able to slowly climb back into the game and, and um, you, know, uh, you know, kind of make it make it close coming down the stretch. Obviously, it took a three-point lead coming down into the final seconds. And, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, another NESCAC program that's had a lot of success in the recent years and Coach Sheldon and what they've done down there, um, you know, that's a talented group and you know luke rogers uh, certainly um deserved you know what he earned this year but you know i, I really felt like eric savage was such an important piece yeah. to that team because i tell you man you know he was a kid that we recruited up here and, and i remember when he visited and uh, uh ended up deciding to, to go to tufts uh you know um he, he just i mean he's such a tough player and he seems to always make the the shots that just kill you. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, uh, you know, he did a couple times in that game. Obviously, you know, the easy one to remember is the, the, the 35 foot three that yeah. he hit, you know, with two seconds to go in, in regulation uh, that tied it up and put it into overtime. And then there was actually, you know, a, a possession in the first overtime where we got to stop um, up three with like 50 seconds to go. And they get an offensive rebound and the ball comes around one more to yep, him. And he, and he knocks throws down. another dagger <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to, to tie the score again. And, you know, um, I, I would just sort of let Eric sort of represent, you know, the great uh, sort of classic NESCAC play of, of seniors and seniors win. Uh, and, yeah. you know, someone that has a lot of experience, you know, has played a lot of games and been, been just a hugely important player to that team and program. And, you know, you can look back through the years and, and, and there's stories like that that, that exists, um, you know, through the decades. And, and, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, Eric, Eric to me drove winning for them as, 
as much as as I could gather from watching film and preparing for him. And, and um, you know, I, I give him a ton of credit for for the run they had, you know, into the Sweet Sixteen, and yeah. and, and kind of unfortunately they didn't get a chance to see it through. But um, it was that was a, that was a phenomenal game, and you know, I kind of you can look back and and you know, on one hand, we felt fortunate to be there, you know, in some respects, dealing with the injuries that we had dealt with and just kind of where we were, you know, with the team. But you know, you could take it back to our quarterfinal game against Bates. Yep. Uh, you know where. Uh, we were probably on the outs, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, again, uh, can just uh, beat anybody on any given night and, you know, didn't play our best. And, and, and they certainly had earned the chance to win that game. And, you know, we hit a couple of dagger threes that, that got us back into an overtime and ended up being a triple overtime game. And I, again, I think, we you know, the more time goes by, the more we'll all look back and just be like, you know, those were just uh, because it ended up that quarterfinal game that will end up being the last basketball game in, in, in the Colby facility here. Cause we're going to yeah. move into a new facility next, next fall yep. or this fall. Uh, and so to have, have that sort of be the, the final game that, that happens in, in, in Watchworth gym and Swiss Wick court, uh, is, is something that I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll truly, uh, remember and, and, uh, look back. And unfortunately we were on the good side of that one, <laughs> and, uh, you know, came out on the wrong side of the tough one, but, um, you know, that's, that's again, that's sports. So, so coach to, to tell you the truth, I, I think you guys got screwed in your draw in the NCAA tournament. You earned an at-large bid. And I, and I have discussed on previous podcasts with coach Bridgeland at Whitman and coach Thompson at Hobart. The division three tournament is not structured the same way as the D one tournament. There's, there's 16 pods of four teams where one school hosts the pot at their gym in your pod. Stevens tech was the host team. Did you feel like you deserve to host a pod after a twenty-four and three regular season? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did. You know, my vote didn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I, a couple things I'd say. You know, one, um, it was the first time where you know, I, you know, we'd really been through it. Um, you know, the year prior, we were kind of hoping for an outside chance at it, but I think again, the way the year ended, we, we knew you know, we kind of didn't really have a chance to, to get that large bid. So, you know, we were in that in that sort of exciting place that, you know, the NCAA tournament and, and, and figuring out, you know, one that, you know, we knew we were going to make it. I guess we didn't really think that we would not get that large bid. Um, I would definitely had a hopes of hosting. And I would say from, from my standpoint and our standpoint, certainly, you know, part of that hope was, you know, one, you're, you're a NESCAC regular season co-champion, you know, you, you, you play in the NESCAC championship game in the tournament, um, you know, we lost to Amherst in the regular season. We beat them in the semifinals. So we felt like we kind of avenged that loss. And, yeah. you know, um, I, I guess the, the simple way that I kind of looked at it was say that, that shot from Eric Savage misses, uh-huh. you know, and, and we end up, you know, we're 25 and two as NESCAC tournament champion, you know, conference, uh, you know, regular season Cove champion, twenty five and two. You you avenge the two losses that you had in the regular. Like at, at that point, I know we're hosting. Right, and right. At that point, I mean, I feel like we got to have as good a chance to be the number one seed in the region for sure. Uh, based on sort of the Springfield loss and maybe kind of how some of the other tournament games happen. And so it's like, you know, I, I guess everything that I felt like that would have been sort of how it would have shaken out if that shot misses. Uh-huh. Like, we didn't do anything else differently. Like, we didn't win any more games or we didn't lose any more games. Like, you know, the only thing that happened is a 35-foot shot went in against us. <laughs> and, and so I guess I, I felt like if, if that, again, 
you know, takes us out from being the, the one seed in the region, and and then that you know, Tufts has earned and deserved that as the tournament champion. Yeah. Five. But I also still felt like that that to me should warrant you a home game and a home pod. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it, it was kind of ironic when we were watching the selection show, and it was it was fun. We had a, a number of the guys down here, and, and uh, we had some other some other folks and faculty that were down here, and you know. Again, Coach Ashley was reading a bunch of the stuff online. And, you know, he, he came from Nebraska Wesleyan, and so okay. they kind of had experienced it. And actually, the year he started here, Nebraska Wesleyan went on to win the whole national tournament. Yeah, was a cool thing for us to sort of begin to see, like, how do we compare to them? Like, you know, are, yeah. we, are we at that level? And, and I think that was the first time where we felt like, you know, we got a chance to, to try to get there. Um, and, and so, you know, we felt like, you know, Tufts was going to host we felt like Springfield would host. And then it seemed like probably Middlebury or us would be uh-huh. the third New England or Northeast you know, region to, to sort of uh, to host. And so when Middlebury came out, you know, they go through the, the different bracket and, and Middlebury was on the road, I think we got kind of excited because we felt like that, that maybe means we got a chance to get it. Uh-huh. And so, you know, obviously, you know, you, you go through and, and through the rest of the selection show and you find out, you, you know, you're going down to Stephen and, and taking on Christopher Newport. You know, I, I think, again, played into the final four the year yep. prior. You're like, man, <laughs> you know, this is going to be a tough test. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's again, something that, you know, there's so many different factors that go into it in terms of, you know, travel. And this year, especially with like the, Sweet 16 round being a single weekend and, and you know, eight different sites yeah. know, versus kind of how it usually is. And, you know, at the end of the day, and this is kind of what I said going into it, you know, listen, you know, no matter what we think, they're going to tell us who we got to go play. Exactly, we yep. Gotta, we got we got to go find a way to win a game or win two games. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we came a little bit short, uh, you know, from that. And, you know, again, it's it, it's sort of you can spend a quick moment thinking back to if that shot misses and, and, and say we host that first weekend. I mean, I can see us maybe hosting all the way through that Sweet 16 round. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, it obviously unfolded the way it did. And, you know, part of me thought about trying to reach out and just kind of ask the question why and, and sort of figure it out. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it all ended so quickly. And then obviously, you know, all of our focus shifted to, to everything that's, that's been happening throughout the, the world, uh, yep. you know, the coronavirus and, and obviously the, the tough decision to cancel not only all the athletic contests and the rest of the NCAA tournament, Division Three, Division One, but, you know, obviously, you know, all, all the schools and colleges, you know, having their students go back home and shifting to, to remote learning, um, you know, uh, it, it sort of um, – shifted any sort of thoughts looking back uh and we're trying to figure that out and uh again i think we're we all wish and felt like we could have accomplished more uh, but you know i think you know there's a lot to be proud of in terms of what this group did and and uh, a group that i will always be grateful for so coach many people argue and say that sports is a is a true copycat business are you expecting more teams to try and evolve their playing styles to become more like you yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily say that. I, you know, I think they're going to look at us and go, oh, we're going to go, you know, we're going to copycat that and do that. I mean, I, I think it's just happening naturally. And I think, you uh-huh. know, when you look at, at, at just high school basketball, AAU basketball, you know, when you look at, at going to the playgrounds in, in any city in this country, uh, you know, and, and you look at the NBA, I mean, it's, it's all it's all flowing down from, from, from the highest of the levels. And, and, you know, I think, again, you know, there's not, too many guys that want to be true locked in 
back to the basket bigs anymore. And, and uh, you know, that, that process really starts happening at a much earlier age before we even begin a recruiting process with them. And so, you know, I, I guess I, I think that you will continue to see more and more basketball maybe played uh-huh. somewhat like we're playing. Okay. Um, but I, I, not going to sit here and, and, and think like, you know, we've started anything that's you know, <laughs> um, worthy of even like saying like we're the founders of it or anything. <laughs> all, all we're trying to do is, 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 is get, you know, uh, great, great guys, you know, guys that have a, have a true passion for this game, guys that want to be a part of something and, and work to a championship level. And, you know, we've tried to, to tailor the identity that we play with uh, to what we feel like you know, is just the best chance to be successful. And, um, you know, I think again, you know, the NESCAC in some respects was was already partially like that. Yeah. Just look at the skill level that exists and just the quality of um, shooting that exists, and 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 um, you know, uh, sort of a a guard oriented league. And, and again, I think you can go back to sort of the early two thousands when I was playing here, and and maybe some more traditional fours and fives uh, that, that 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 existed back then, and you know, even into the to the two thousand. 11 you know up through now where you know you still have some some great bigs you know luke rogers is a perfect example you know you look at matt carpetwitz yep. and, and you know um uh, some other guys that have come through here uh you know I, I go back to kind of our first recruiting class that had chris hudnut uh you know who graduated in 2016 that again was you know kind of a similar luke rogers type of player um in terms of the size and skill and um, i don't think chris was ever quite the athlete vertically mm-hmm. that, that, that luke is but um you know and, and so uh i, I think we'll you know we'll uh, i anticipate seeing more teams kind of play that style and you know in some respects you know, i felt like bates was kind of that way this year yeah you know, they had a lot of different guards and different guys that could shoot it and you know play with pace and and, and space the floor and you know obviously they had a, a freshman first year you know first year big and omar Sar that had a great defensive presence and maybe gives them again a more traditional big right um you know but uh, I, I think you know you can look at Hamilton last year, you know, and kind of the run that they had. And, and uh, you know, obviously Andrew Grohl was sort of a more t- typical uh, sort of center type. Um, you know, but they had a great group of perimeter players and, and uh, you know, could really space the floor. And so I, I think it's, it's something that, you know, um, you know, some variation of that is kind of where, where we all are. And, and uh, you know, it'll probably continue that way for, for the years ahead. So, Coach, I, I got one last question. So, for the listeners who, who don't know, in 2017, Colby announced plans to build a $200 million athletic complex that, as, as you mentioned, is, is going to open this summer and you'll be in this new facility next year. What does that type of investment from the administration mean to you as a coach? Yeah, it speaks to um, the importance of athletics. Uh, and, and I think the the, really the belief that it's an important part of the college experience here. Um, you know, at Colby, uh, we have a third of our students that are varsity athletes. Um, so it's a big percentage of our population, which is probably, you know, true of the NESCACs, you know, as a whole. Um, you know, obviously, you have a place like Tufts that maybe is a little larger and, and, and the percentages don't quite add up that way. But, um, you know, it's it's just uh, it's it's a community and it's a tight knit community, and I think again, even if it's not intercollegiate athletics, you know, there's sort of a, you know, club sports, intramurals. There's just sort of that 
um, active athletic lifestyle that is that is just I think true of eighteen to twenty two year olds, uh, which is I think one of the things that helps keep keeps us coaches uh, young. Uh, yeah, <laughs> being around that kind of environment and, uh, and, and being able to, uh, to to enjoy that. And um, you know, I think when you look at sort of how the athletic model ties in, you know, it's 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 definitely going to be driven by your administration and i mentioned earlier that uh president green you know came here five years ago and just brought an incredible aspiration and vision for colby and and, and wanting to take a place that's always been great and special but how can we be unafraid of of pushing it to a whole new height and, and what does that look like and you know the athletic facility is certainly the the biggest both spatially and monetarily uh, yeah. in terms of the $200 million price tag and a 350,000 square foot facility. Um, but when you look across the board through our academic programs or through the investments that we're making downtown in Waterville to really kind of help bridge and support the community that, that is so important to uh, thriving college environment, um, you know, it's across the board. And, um, you know, fortunately for us in athletics, I think for the first time since I've been at Colby, um, you know, he wants to win, yeah. and, uh, and he wants you know he wants to to, to have a, a chance and an opportunity to, to to push to a championship level. And um, the incredible part for me is, you know, he's he's at every one of our games, sitting behind our bench with his family, and uh, you know you see him at every other sporting uh, contest that exists, you know, throughout the fall and in the, in the spring uh, and the winter. Um, and you know he's got a he's got a, an ability to relate and connect with just the whole uh, cross section of, of constituents. Um, right. Right. And, and, and obviously, you know, that's faculty, it's, it's physical plant department people, it's alumni. Uh, but, you know, we see it, we see it game in game out with, with our players and, and he knows them. Uh, and, and he, you know, he cares about what they're doing and, uh, you know, he cares about their family. And, and so to have those relationships exist um, and really for him to sort of put together his senior staff and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, now our athletic director and kind of the connection they have, um, you know, they, they want to see our athletics program be an important part of, of, of what the college experience is. And, and that's, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun to see how our programs have begun to make strides in that regard. And, For sure. And the opening of, of the athletic facility, I think, will continue to, to sort of help evolve what we're able to do and offer you know certainly for our athletes i think it'll be uh, you know um, as good a, a space for them to train and compete in um, that exists and you know i can think back to again uh, dating myself a little bit here but you know um I was probably one of the last guys to play in the old Wesleyan gymnasium. Yep. <laughs> uh, before you guys opened up, uh, you know, the, the beautiful uh, new athletic center down there in Middletown. And, and uh, you know, it's it's one of those deals where, um, you know, the facility is an important piece, but it's, it's still a small piece. Uh, yeah. And we got to have a lot of the other variables that exist. And, and um, you know, it's a huge investment that the college has made. And, you know, we're excited to see how it will continue to help us build the program and, and build our athletics uh teams um, to compete uh, at a championship level but it also isn't going to happen overnight just because you put up a brand new shiny building yeah uh, you know there's a lot of other pieces that you still have to solve and figure out and um, you know it becomes easier to solve those you know when you have the right people um, supporting you or the right people sort of helping you figure out um, what the solutions are and uh, again I think that you know as coaches uh, or at least for myself as a coach, 
you know, that process is, is, is probably the, the thing that gives you the, the greatest satisfaction in, in trying to help, you know, build something that, you know, it would be really easy to look from the outside and say, you know, that, that could never happen. Right? Yeah. It's just, it's just too big of a mountain to climb. And uh-huh. yeah, I think we were able to, to change that narrative a little bit. And, and now, you know, the goal going forward is and, and really kind of, um, the need going forward is to try to continue to, to compete at the highest of levels and, um, you know, uh, it'll be a fun challenge to take on. Well, Coach, I I, I want to thank you for all the time, and uh, I really appreciate it, and, and congratulate you guys on another great season. And wish you the best of luck. Uh, do you have any you know last words for the great people of uh, Waterville, Maine? No, well, I guess uh, I, I'll, I'll stay. You know, and this was uh, this was fun for me to be able to do. You know, we uh, you know you don't necessarily get a chance to, to talk a lot about you know, the, these types of. Uh, things that we love and have such a great passion for. And again, I, uh, I certainly hope that as, as, as you listen, as I listen to podcasts that, you know, uh, certainly there may be some tangents or some rambling there that I gave that <laughs> I didn't take up too much time, but, um, you know, obviously I think most importantly right now, you know, we're all just trying to, to take this uh, a day at a time, as you mentioned, to start, uh, the show, um, you know, certainly our, our people and, and folks here in Waterville and, and obviously our Colby students that are, are all throughout the world right now, you know, and, and really just everybody, uh, you know, just uh, hoping that we all get through this together and, and uh, you know, one of these days soon enough, maybe uh, things will, will return back to more of a normalcy. Uh, but I, I think the most important thing is it really makes you appreciate um, you know, the people in your life and, and the people that, um, you know, you care most about. And, you know, uh, for me, it's my two boys at home, my wife, you know, my parents and the family back out on the West Coast, Um they surprised me twice with cross-country trips to see our uh, see our quarterfinal game and see the championship <laughs> game, which was a really sort of cool thing. That's great. Ten minutes before the game, and, and uh, I was like, that, "Those actually are my sisters." <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be getting back to to, to, to all of those sort of uh, athletic and sporting moments, uh, you know, in the months ahead. But you know, right now, man, stay safe. Good luck as you finish up your your, your spring. Uh, Dave, I certainly appreciate you know you taking the time and reaching out and uh, and what you're doing going forward, man. I, I would say from the, the the little I know about podcasts, uh, but just uh, I, you know you, you came across fantastically here and the questions and your preparation. So um, go after your dreams, man. Pursue it. Thanks, Coach. That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. If you like this podcast or some of the stuff we've been doing, you can rate us and leave a review and subscribe either on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with another interview with a division three head men's basketball coach. So until then everyone take care, stay safe and make it a great day.